Hello students, today I am going to deal with the lesson Evans tries an O-level by Colin Dexter. As far as this lesson is concerned, most of the children find it a little tough to handle it because it is a little long. But the story is quite interesting when you look at it from a complete point of view. Now the protagonist here is called James Roderick Evans and Evans has broken the prison thrice to run away. He is a congenital kleptomaniac as the governor calls him. Congenital means that he has a birth defect. Obviously, kleptomaniac. kleptomaniac refers to a person who picks up things involuntarily. It's not that he wants to rob the other person, but he just can't stop himself from picking up things. The governor calls Evans a congenital kleptomaniac and he does that in zest. Obviously, it is not a genetic problem. The fourth time when Evans comes to this jail, to this prison, he tells the governor that he wastes too much of time here and he would like to do something worthwhile this time. He tells him that he wants to do an O-level German examination. The governor agrees to it because it seems like a viable request. On that particular day, governor is speaking to the head of the examination board. Head of the examination board has called the governor to express a little concern over how the exam is going to be taken. He wants to know what kind of a person Evans is. Will his invigilator be safe in his presence? So to that the governor says that Evans has no record of violence. In fact, he's quite a pleasant sort of a chap. The only problem with him is that he's a kleptomaniac. He also tells him that he's one of those people who would sing on a Christmas concert. The very fact he's telling all these things to the head of the examination board shows you there are no hard feelings between the governor and the prisoner. In fact, he speaks of him very warmly. Now, when the head of the board asks him where the examination will be taken, to that the governor replies that since he is the only candidate who has to give the examination, it can be conducted in his own cell. He says, is he prepared? Well, to that the governor says, since he was the only student, it was almost like a private tuition for him. He said there should not be any problem. So to that the head of the board says that okay then we'll send somebody from St. Mary's Max, a parson from St. Mary's Max as an invigilator. A parson means a priest. The exam is scheduled for the next day. Now on that particular night at 8.30 after Evans has finished with his last tuition, his tutor wishes him good luck in German. Evans is unable to understand what he said. To that, the tutor says that you haven't a cat health chance of passing the exam. Cat health chance means there's hardly a chance. It's almost next to impossible that you will pass in the examination. And before he can complete the sentence, Ivan says, I might surprise everybody. Now, this is important. Why does he say this? I might surprise everybody. 
Now there could be two reasons. He might pass the exam with flying colors or he may just run away yet again. In the prison, basically there were three officers who were looking after him. There was the governor who was the head. Then there was Jackson who was the prison officer who had dealt with Evans earlier also in his earlier three escapades. And then there was Stephens who was a new recruit. At 8.30 the following morning, the day the exam is going to be held, Jackson walks into Evans' cell and he says, so what is our Einstein up to? Remember, there is a friendly banter going on between Jackson and Evans. So Evans said he was a mathematician, Einstein. To that, Jackson says, but he was also a Jew. Although the word is meant to be said as an insult, both of them don't take any offenses to it. Evans is wearing his loose-fitting shirt. He says grubby-looking string vest. So it is a loose-fitting shirt with his equally loose trousers. He is dirty, his face is unshaven, and he is wearing a red and white filthy-looking bobble hat upon his head. So Jackson asks him to clean up. He says, we can't present you like this before an invigilator. To that, Ivan says that he was just going to shave. And since they are not taking any chances with Evans because he's already broken the jail three times, Jackson tells Stephens that he should take away the razor when he's finished. Obviously, Evans is not very happy that Stephens is being told to take away things from him. But just to rub it in a little more, Evans asks him, was it he who took the nail scissors away? Remember, everyone has a fetish. Somebody might have a fetish of keeping the hands clean. Others might keep their room clean. Some might have a fetish of eating a particular thing. Evans has a fetish for his nails and to keep his nails prim and proper, well, he has all the paraphernalia like a nail scissor, a file and so on. He asked Jackson, was it you who took my nail scissor away? And to that Jackson says, he says, I did and I took your nail file away too. He can see the anger rising in Evans. And he says, you want to complain? Why don't you go and complain to the governor? Now, the moment he says the words governor, Evans cools down and says, it's okay, you've taken it away. After that, Jackson says, he says, what is this? this hat on your head. It was a white and red bobble hat. To that Evans replies that it is an old hat and it is a lucky charm and he says, see I have nothing else here. Please allow me to keep it. I might just pass the exam because it is a lucky charm. He knows that Jackson has a soft corner for all these things and Jackson agrees. Now, this part is extremely important. Why was he allowed to keep the bobble hat? It was basically because he projected it as a lucky charm. But Jackson should have taken it away. In fact, Jackson calls him Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple was a singer who was known for her curly, wavy hair. Since Evans also has 
long wavy hair he calls him shirley temple and 8:30 that morning on one side this banter was going on in evans cell on the other side around 8:45 mr mcleary he was supposed to be the parson from st mary's mags he started from his house he was supposed to invigilate this examination and since it was a little cool he was wearing a black overcoat with a shallow crown clerical hat he was also carrying a briefcase in that small brown briefcase he had all the things that he would need now what were those things there was a sealed question paper envelope a yellow invigilation form a special authentication card from the examinations board that he was their man a bible and a current copy of the church times now there was also a wooden small paper knife and there was a, a semi inflated ring that he was carrying in it the examination was supposed to start at 9:15 am in the cell at around 8:45 when perhaps mcleary started from his house evans was getting ready for the paper stephens laid out two tables in that cell the cell was quite a secure cell there was an iron door that was air in the cell and it had a small little sit out outside which also had an iron door basically he would be sitting behind two iron doors now once the tables were laid stephens came back and he said all the best to him he says behave yourself laddie now you find that even stephens who's a new recruit he has a soft corner for him it is not a relationship between that of a prisoner and a supervisor it is more friendly in nature he also asked him to take the pin ups off the walls now whoever heard of a prisoner being allowed to put pin ups on the walls well evans was allowed to do so and that tells you a lot about what kind of a relationship he had with the prison officials in fact at that time evans asked stephens the person who is coming to invigilate isn't he a minister ideally he shouldn't have known who was coming to invigilate and stephens should have caught it on but stephens did not question in fact he just said how do you know and he said that he was glancing through the papers in the governor's office while he was standing there then he asked stephens why did they have to bug me in the cell they had put transistors there the governor would be able to hear whatever was going on in the cell so the receiver of the transmitter was there in the governor's room so stephens told him that not only were the transmitters put there but also he would be watching him like a hawk means he would be around while evans was right his answer paper now once evans had finished shaving stephens took the razor and he walked out but he came back and he said all the best to him when mcleary reached stephens was asked by the governor to escort him to the cell and stephens noticed that the man not only was wearing an overcoat and a hat 
but he also had a broad Scottish accent. He took him to the cell and he asked him to sit there. At 9.10, the governor, he switched on the receiver. He knew that since they were supposed to maintain absolute silence while the examination was on, he would not be disturbed. And he also felt, well, if Evans had to break the prison again, he could have done it from the recreational block. He was the only student there and it was a lot more open than his cell. So he could have run away without a problem from there. He wouldn't have waited so long for the examination to take place. The exam was supposed to start sharp at 9.15. There was a nagging doubt in governor's mind as to what Evans would do. Although he realized that it was almost impossible for Evans to run away, he, he also realized that as a governor, he couldn't take any more chances. He sat thinking about what he could have missed and all of a sudden he realized that although they had checked Evans time and time again, well, nobody had checked McLeary. At 9.12, he must have conveyed it to Jackson to check McLeary and Jackson was standing outside Evans' cell. He called both McLeary and Stephens outside and he told him that he needed to check them. While Jackson was checking McLeary, he tapped on his uh, pocket and when he asked what was there, McLeary just replied that it was a spectacle case. Ideally, he should have taken out that spectacle case and flipped it open, but he did not. Nobody expected this kind of a thing to happen. When they opened the briefcase, well, they found all those things that he was carrying. They were a little perturbed about what the semi-inflated ring was doing there. And when they asked, McLeary told them that he used them because he had hemorrhoids. Now, what are hemorrhoids? It is a kind of inf inflammation that occurs around the anal area. When there's pus and there's infection, it causes a lot of pain and a person is not able to sit on a chair or on any flat surface. So he would perhaps use that inflated ring so that his backside as well as the flat side of the stool or the chair wouldn't come in contact. Jackson took away the paper knife because he felt that it could be used as a potential weapon. So at 9.18, the governor heard voices that they were through with the checking. Cleary was giving instructions to Evans and he was saying that the name of the paper was 021-1. He was supposed to write it on the top left-hand corner. Then he said, that the index number of the paper was 313 and the center number was 271. You need to remember all these numbers because they will come in handy in the end. The numbers were the name of the paper 021-1, the index number 313 and the center number 271. At 9.20, while Stephens was within the cell, the governor could hear Evans asking the invigilator if Stephens was going to sit there throughout the paper and he said he couldn't write 
with the man sitting there. Sure enough, Governor, who was now confident of all the actions that he had taken, he asked Stephens to come out of the room and he told him that he would have to watch him through the peephole after every one minute. So finally, the paper began at 9.25. The question that is often asked is, what were the precautions taken by the governor to prevent events from escaping the prison yet again? Well, you will talk about that the governor himself arranged a teacher for events. He contacted the examination department for arrangements of conducting the exam in prison itself. A person was arranged for invigilation and before Evans wrote the exam, Governor told Jackson to check Evans' cell thoroughly and remove any sharp objects there. Evans' cell was bugged by installing a microphone so as to keep an eye on him throughout the examination. Stephens was given the duty to keep a constant vigil on events. When McLeary arrived, he was thoroughly searched by Jackson. The governor himself was very alert throughout the examination and even cross-checked the phone call that came from the examination board. The prison was heavily guarded as the governor did not want to take any chances that events should escape. What do we mean by cross-checking the phone call? Now, the paper started at 9.25. At 9.40, the governor received a phone call from the examination board. The person on the other side, he wanted to know what was the exact time the paper started. He also told him that a correction slip had been left behind. Governor instantly he said that okay I will put you through to uh, the person sitting there and he put the call through to Jackson. Now while he was sitting back in his room and he was thinking he was a little perturbed about why the phone call had come. What if the phone call had not actually come from the examination board? So he decided to give a call back on that number. He did that quite a few number of times, but every time the line was engaged and that lurking doubt remained. What was written on the correction slip? Well, he could hear the invigilator saying that on page 3, the word should be read as golden N and not golden. Also, zoom golden lawen. This was repeated. A governor listened and he smiled. He had himself learned German when he was in the sixth grade. Ideally, he should have gone through what the correction slip said, but he had not done so. After a while, well, there was another call and this time it was from the magistrate's court. They wanted the prison van to ferry some people. Within two minutes, again, the governor was wondering whether it was actually from the magistrate's office or not. It could be a hoax. Again, he tried to call back, but he could not get through. Now, in the first one hour, quarter of an hour, Stephens was dutifully checking after every one minute, but then he got bored. 
So at 10.45 everything was all right and then those uh, one minute became two minutes, two minutes became four minutes and so on. Every time he would look in, he would find that Evans had a pen between his lips and he was staring at the front wall. There was no other reaction, no writing. At 10.50, the governor, he realized that the microphone in his room crackled to life. And what was happening in the cell? Well, Evans wanted permission to put a blanket around his shoulders. Remember, it was June, but then since the cell did not get much sunlight, they felt that okay, it could get a little bit cooler than usual and he was writing an examination, so why not? Now every time when Stephens looked inside, well, he would see that Evans still had the pen between his lips, but he was looking below the blanket. Now remember the examination had to finish at 11.25. At 11.20, the receiver again crackled in the governor's office and McLeary informed Evans that only five minutes were left. Now there was something that was going on in the governor's mind. So he reached for the phone. At 11.22, Jackson gave a call to Stephens. Remember, 11.22 to 25, Stephens was unable to look through the people. Jackson was talking to Stephens and he was being told that the governor had said that he had to personally make sure that the door was locked on Evans after McLeary had finished collecting the paper. And Stephens was supposed to escort McLeary to the gate himself. While these instructions were being given, inside the cell, McLeary told Evans to stop writing. It was 11.25. He said, put the sheets in order and make sure that they are correctly numbered. The governor could also hear the scraping of tables and chairs. As Stephens was coming back, McLeary was walking out of the cell. So basically, Stephens did not see what was inside the cell. He walked along with McLeary to the gates and at that time he had this feeling that the Scots accent that McLeary had, that was a little more pronounced. Secondly, he also noticed that now he looked thinner, although his long black overcoat was also there, his hat was also there, but he was looking slimmer. But then he thought it was just one of those things and he did not report it to the governor. He left him at the gate and he started walking back. Ideally, he would have gone for a cup of coffee, but then he wanted to make sure that Evans was okay in the cell. So he went to see what was going on in the cell. The moment he opened the cell door, he saw that everything was in a mess. He saw that on the parson's chair, there was a man who was sprawled. His head was bleeding, his hair was closely cropped, his beard was there and blood was flowing into his shirt. Without even checking, he felt that it was McLeary because of the dress. He started screaming for help. Jackson also came. And all of them took it for granted that it was McLeary. 
Governor asked Stephens to ring for the police and the ambulance. Then McCleary slowly raised himself and he said, Don't worry, I am all right. He just picked up the hanky and he was dabbing the hanky on his face. He says, I am all right. He says, I know where Evans is. And while he was being taken out of the cell and he was going in the yard, he was met by the governor. And he told the governor, don't call the police, I am okay. Give me a vehicle. I know where Evans has gone and I will myself go with the driver. In fact, the driver can leave me at the hospital. It's on the way. So when the governor questioned him how he knew, he showed him the question paper. He says a photocopied sheet had been imposed on the last paper. Now probably this was done by a friend or an accomplice of Evans in the examination board. McLeary started reading it. It said, you must follow the plan already somethinged. The vital point in time is three minutes before the end of something, something. Don't hit him too hard. Remember, he is a minister and don't overdo the Scots accent when. That is the time they realized that all the things that had happened inside were pointing towards the whole conspiracy. By then, the vehicle came, Detective Superintendent Carter, he came out and he asked him what the hell is happening. Remember, he was the same man who had gone to the magistrate's court. He says, who's hit him? Now, McLeary, he cut across whatever conversation was going on. He says, come, I will tell you where he's gone. I know. And on the way, you can leave me. Now, when he sat inside, he said, Ellsfield Way. And they started following the Ellsfield Way. Ellsfield Way was actually where the examination board was. So, probably... Somebody from the board had been involved. All the things pointed towards that. Evans going towards the Ellsfield way, the correction slip, the question paper, it all pointed towards some accomplice within the examination board. Here, Governor was getting angry at Jackson and Stephens, obviously, although all of them were at fault somewhere or the other. Well, since he was the boss, he was taking out his anger on both of them. Even though the cell had been checked thoroughly, yet Evans had managed to conceal a false beard, a pair of spectacles, a dog collar, all the clerical paraphernalia and so on, and also a weapon with which he had given McLeary such a terrible blow across the head. Obviously, the governor was angry. Now, once McLeary was dispatched with Carter, Governor came back to his room and he started thinking. He tried to read what was written on that paper, the correction slip. And it said, to Headington roundabout where you go straight over and make your way to Newgraben. Newgraben? He was just thinking, knew what, knew what? And then he came across new grave. But then he realized that there was nothing of the sort. Then it hit me. It could be Newbury. Now remember, the prison officials are different from the police station officials. So he decided to go to the police station. He got the person, Chief Inspector Bell, on the phone immediately and he put the facts before him. 
but then he also said it was careless leaving the question paper behind now if you've seen the movies you know whether it was doom 1 or doom 2 the people who do these kind of things breaking of the jails time and again it's almost like a challenge that is being put to them now here he left the question paper behind it was careless of him but yet he did it it was almost as if he was instigating the governor okay you want to come and look for me let's try it out he told the chief inspector that he felt that evans would have escaped to newbury while he had handed over the case to bell now he was sitting and he was thinking about where he had gone wrong in fact he says he was just another good for giggle gullible governor that was all what does he mean by all this he feels that the people would laugh at him when they talk about him in the future because even after events had broken the prison thrice he had let him get away yet again and that is why he would be the butt of all jokes now while he was thinking about all that carter came back and he asked carter he says so you got mcleary to the hospital so he said yes i left him at the roundabout and he was really groggy but then the ambulance would have picked him up from there so the governor he rang up the hospital to find out how he was he was told that okay the ambulance had gone to pick him up but the fellow was not there by then governor realized that he was actually not mcleary he was no longer listening to what carter was saying in fact he decided to check out mcleary immediately and when they reached mcleary's house they found that mcleary was tied to a chair and he was gagged he had been there since 8:15 am in the morning so who had come to the prison well it was some accomplice of events who was posing as the person and then they realized that it was not events impersonating mcleary who had walked out it had been events impersonating mcleary who had stayed in means the person who had first gone out as the person was the person who had come in imitating mcleary and the person who had been put in carter's vehicle and sent off was actually events who had been wearing similar clothes now by evening everybody knew all this on the other hand events was having a good time he was roaming around he was free now he was in a place called chipping norton he had fish and he had chips and he was walking back to the hotel he wanted an early night it had been a very very eventful day now he looked at his own hair and he couldn't believe that he had cropped his hair himself but then it would grow again and he thought that it was just the bobble hat that saved him had jackson taken away the bobble hat at that time well he would have realized that he had cropped his hair his hair were no longer long and he had been and he would have been caught there and then 
but then he thought about the other things well he got all the paraphernalia of of the person through the person who was impersonating mcleary when he reached back to the hotel he found that the receptionist was not the same girl as he, he had seen when he had left in the afternoon anyways he took his key he gave her a smile and he walked towards his room and the moment he opened the room he saw that the governor was sitting inside the room he says he caught a glimpse of the gorgon gorgon means he had seen something scary that was the very last person he had expected to see that evening but then he said how did you get here and to that the governor replied he says didn't you see the receptionist had changed and she was rather sweet to you now you find that instead of having an instinct to run away from there since the governor was sitting there he walks in and he sits across him and he starts talking and then finally he says oh it was that correction slip wasn't it and governor he said he says you know some people do know a little german to that he had the audacity of saying that it wasn't really a mistake they were not able to fix up the hotel and that is why the correction slip had been sent to tell him the exact place where he had to reach he also told him that the phone call to stephens and jackson 5 minutes before the examination finished was just a way of getting people out of the way so that he could make the final adjustments to his clothes and in the beginning the call from the examination board was basically to know the exact time when the paper started so that they could move the people 5 minutes before the examination finished so the question that is asked is what role does the question paper and the correction slip play in evans plan of escape now remember evans had friends inside and outside the prison even in the examination board there were people who helped in evans escape the plan of escape was superimposed on the question paper of the exam remember the numbers 271 and 313 they were written on that and then the governor received a phone call from the examination board to give the correction slip now correction slip had two purposes uh, to know the exact time at which the examination had begun and secondly to tell the name of the hotel to evans where he was to be put up after his escape then he asked him he says how did you know where this golden lion was located the governor said he says when i checked the directory well there were so many golden lions but then he said i checked up the index number 313 and the center number 271 he says remember six figures and he said if you check on the ordnance survey map of oxfordshire you find this reference 313/271 and it lands you in the middle of chipping norton and that's how he found in which golden lion he was then the governor asked him he says how did you get the blood pour over your head evan started laughing and he says maybe i should not tell you about it 
because I can use it again. But then he said, okay, he says that was a couple of pints of blood that was taken inside the cell in the semi-inflated ring. It did not clot because it was pig's blood plus some actual blood plus a chemical, he says, trisodium citrate. And he says, we mixed it together and it prevented clotting. Now, when the governor asked him, he says, how did you find your accomplices? He says, my German teacher for the start, you believed that he was from the technical college. Well, he was not. The people in the examination board, well, you believed that they were people from the examination board, but they were not. While they were talking all this, the governor, you find that the way they are discussing it, it is not as if the governor is angry with him. He's almost talking with him in a friendly manner. Can you imagine a prisoner running off, being caught again and then being spoken to in such a manner? You find that the relationship between the governor and Evans is quite a friendly relationship. Now the governor was tired and he said, okay, remember you are surrounded and you will be taken back. Now there the two men walked in and the prison officer took him down. Now the governor, instead of tagging along, instead of going along with Evans, he decided to follow in a different car. The writer says, it almost seemed as if the governor was saying farewell to an old friend instead of a prisoner who had run away from the prison. While Evans was going down, he said, Sir, I was just wondering, though your German is pretty good, do you have any other languages that you excel at? And he said, No, why? He said, I just happened to notice that there are some O-level Italian classes coming up next September. To that, the governor replied, he said, perhaps you won't be with us until next September, Evans. Evans said, perhaps I won't be. Remember, the governor has let him sit in the van with the prison officer. The governor himself is not in the van. And as soon as the vans moved out, the prison officer came back. He removed the handcuffs from Evans' hands. And then he said, okay, now where do you suggest we go to? And there was a broad Scots accent in the man's voice. Now, who had a broad Scots accent? It was McLeary. And Evans at that time, he said, what about Newbury? He is not going to go and look at Newbury because he's already seen all that. So, who had the last laugh? Well, Evans had the last laugh. And how? He uses the slackness of the governor to plan the escape and execute it. He had friends inside and outside the prison who helped him to escape. From the German teacher appointed to teach him, McLeary who comes for invigilation bringing with him the paraphernalia required by Evans to escape. The examination board who sends in the correction slip with the name of the hotel. To the person in the prison van who handcuffed him and undid it. He had all of them as his accomplices. He intentionally left the correction slip and question paper so that the governor could track him down and rearrest him.
the whole plan was executed just to make the governor overconfident and elated over recapturing Evans. Towards the end, the governor left Evans with the prison officer and committed the biggest blunder by not accompanying him. Due to this, Evans escaped without a trail and vanished. What were the mistakes made by the governor and his team? Although the governor took all the precautions to conduct the exam without any problem, he, Jackson and Stephens made certain mistakes because of which Evans' escape was successful. Firstly, the governor appointed a German teacher but he never bothered to check if the German teacher was coming from the technical college. He, he did not even check McLeary the invigilator. Later, the real McLeary was found bound and gagged in his apartment. Jackson's compassionate nature proved to be helpful to Evans too, as he was allowed to wear the bobble hat which concealed his chopped hair. While escorting the invigilator out of the prison, Stephens noticed that McLeary seemed thinner than before and had a broader Scots accent, but he did not report that to the governor. When Stephens went back to check on Evans, he saw Evans impersonating McLeary in a pool of blood and jumped to the conclusion that he is McLeary and the governor and Jackson also believed him without bothering to confirm. When Evans was finally caught again at the Golden Lion by the governor, he allowed Evans to go unattended in the prison van with other officers due to his overconfidence. This aided Evans to have the final laugh and escape without leaving a trail behind him. Another question that is asked is why didn't Evans want to remove his bobble hat? On the day of the exam, Jackson asked Evans to remove his bobble hat in order to be presentable for the parson. Evans knew that Jackson had a compassionate nature and used it to his advantage saying that the bobble hat was his only lucky charm and he could use some luck for his examination. Jackson allowed it, but it was a mistake. Bobble hat was used by Evans to conceal his hair which he had closely cropped, just like McLeary, so that he could escape the prison without arousing suspicion. How do you think Evans got all the paraphernalia to escape from his cell? The person impersonating McLeary was actually Evans's accomplice who had come as an invigilator. McLeary had smuggled in the paraphernalia for Evans to escape by wearing two black fronts, overcoats, he carried an extra set of specs, a beard and two collars which helped Evans to look like McLeary and escape from his cell. He also had a semi-inflated ring with pig's blood in his briefcase which was used by Evans to create the scene in which blood was found flowing from his head.